This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. On the show today, Pete's got all the latest from that Masano test last week. We've had another 2023 rider confirmed and further calendar expansions planned for the future. We're also, of course, previewing all things Aragon as we gear up for five races in the next six weeks. Hold on to your hats, or in Keith's case, your hair. The recording date is Monday, the 12th of September. My name is Harry Benjamin. Joining me as ever is uh, Crash MotoGP editor Pete McLaren and former Grand Prix rider and British champion Keith Ewan. Hello. Good morning. Uh, well, it's morning for us anyway. Don't know what time it is for you people watching, but welcome along. Um, first things first, uh, we had the the test last week, didn't we, Pete? And uh, worth touching on that. Uh, what, what are the big learnings from that? Obviously, Marquez... Back out on the bike, Quattararo seemed fairly happy as well. Alicia Espargo then, but also breaking some of his fingers by the sounds of it too. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well there, Harry, the, the main point. So yeah, so obviously Mark came back. That was a, that was a big thing. Um, you know, did uh, I think he was limited to 40 laps on the first day and then sort of see how he felt, came back and did another 61. So he did 100 laps over the two days. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Of course, he wasn't slow. Mark Marquez is never going to be, is he? I mean, he was back there top Honda half a second from the top but the big question is his endurance you know he did seven laps in a row okay that was at the very end of the test but then quite often riders will do race simulations at the end of a test so he tried to do a longer run he got seven laps in you know the race distance is 27 so yeah he's got some decisions to make for, for Aragon coming up and then uh, yeah on the others the big news probably technically was that new engine for Quattararo we've spoken about it haven't we loads of times before and he's spoken about it loads of times before he needs engine performance he's been waiting and waiting and waiting it looks like he's finally got it i mean on the final morning of the test with all of the riders out on track he was only two two kilometers an hour slower than the best ducati now okay it was with a slipstream but still i mean unheard of in recent years for a yamaha to be anywhere near the top the top half really of the time sheets in terms of the speed charts and uh, yeah so so they were really happy obviously not just quattro but also morbidelli who tried the engine it is the first step, therefore the biggest step. But as Quattararo said, look, we're a long way away from uh, the opening round next year. There will be other steps to come. Of course, the other manufacturers will also bring, be bringing out new engines. So let's wait and see. But still, encouraging signs for them. Also had a new chassis at Yamaha, which uh, Quattararo might well bring to Aragon this weekend. Um, so we'll see about that. Of course, engines you can't change during the season. 
chassis you can. So that's something that could help him potentially in these last six races. Uh, over Ducati, they were working on the chassis. They've, they've got plenty of engine power. It's not their, th- they, you know, they don't need to search for squeezing the last bit of performance at the top end. They're looking for corner speed. As Banyar said, they're, they're kind of working the opposite area to Yamaha. They want the agility, the corner speed. It's, that seems to be where the focus is a lot of in, uh, in MotoGP now. It's, you know, it's gone away from the top speed if you've already got enough of it, as they already have, clearly. So uh, Jack Miller, you know, he's moving on. He, he basically worked on setup, I think. And, and that was the case for a lot of the guys that are leaving at the end of this year. They're, they're current manufacturers. They obviously don't get the new parts. So uh, um, and KTM, they're having a few new riders in. They didn't seem to have much, to be honest. I think uh, they had maybe some new engine parts for next year, but um, it seemed like a lot of setup. They're still trying to choose the direction, I think. So they probably had the least new things. Suzuki, of course, they're not going to be here. So they did the first thing with uh, Dominique Egerter, the new Moto E world champion, the guy leading the World Supersport Championship. If if Joaquim is not fit, could he be on the bike? I mean, he was he did well. I mean, he he was I think two point six seconds from the top, and, and that was closer than than Watanabe got during the race weekend. So he'd be an obvious guy if Mir isn't fit for this weekend to sort of step in there. But they didn't ride on the second day because yeah, nothing to test for twenty twenty three. So uh, Aprilia, as you say, Aleish, yeah, broke his little finger. He says he's not worried for for Aragon, and uh, you know he was fast. So he was, what was he? He was, Vinales was also fast. Third on the timesheets, Aleish was fifth. So, uh, you know, a good test for them working on chassis, aero, all of them, when they worked on the aero, it's for next year, except Marquez. Because he's been out for so long, he can still put one more update, aero update on his bike. So all of the other guys, it was really for next year. I I think that's probably the main thing. And uh, yeah, really, it's all about stopping this run that Banyar and Ducati are on, isn't it, for the others at the moment? What can I say? I think that uh, Mark Marquez, um, hot off the press, I rang uh, Mike Trimby at Erta just before we came on to record this. Uh, Mike said that Alberto Puig would tell Erta if they were going to put Mark Marquez in this weekend. They were going to tell Erta after the test. Um, there's been no call as yet coming to Erta. Now, that doesn't mean he isn't going to be riding at Aragon. I would say, reading between the lines, he might in that situation. They're leaving that decision till right at the last minute. There's no particular timescale that they have to work to. They can they can ship Bradley out of there, you know, in a heartbeat and bring Mark in. Um, it's just a case of, of, of changing the name on the entry list. So um, I wouldn't rule Mark Marquez out for Aragon. He's got a fantastic record there. Would he risk that record coming back? Not an easy circuit, um, you know, da di da di da Talking about the Yamaha in the test, yeah, good to see that they were just a couple of Ks down overall but oh, is Mizano the place to be speed testing a motorbike no I don't think so I think that Mizano is not the track for me when it comes to proving anything definitively um, and I'm always wary about tests even though they were all there and it was immediately after the data collection that they had from the weekend before obviously the racing um, but Yamaha have still got a long way to go and I think Pete you hit the nail on the head when you said about the upgrades that are coming for everyone else as well. That's what left Yamaha behind before was the fact is that they just didn't upgrade enough of the upgrades. And uh, it's, it's it's positive. I'm not trying to pull it down at all. I mean, very, very positive indeed. And if it and if it gets into the head of, of Quattararo that he's got something coming, then that's going to lift him um, through the next few meetings and, of course, over the winter training uh, period. So it's good for everybody on a Yamaha. Um but there's a long way to go, and I, I still question whether Mizano is a, is a great test track for, for things like top speed because corner exit makes a lot of difference. You, you said about Ducati are trying to get that mid-corner speed sorted out a little bit better, perhaps. 
Um, and it, uh, whoever launches onto the back straight a mile an hour faster is three mile an hour quicker by the end of the straight, just by the momentum carried out, uh, you know, the, the fact you can get on the gas that millisecond faster than anyone else. So Yamaha is quite, quite reasonable at that. It's all about hooking it up as well. So, you know, chassis might make a big difference. We'll see in Aragon. Aragon is a fast racetrack down that back straight. It drops down in a dip. So you're coming downhill all the way. Um, and before, in the old days, I mean, the Ducatis were spectacular. Me and my old mate Julian Ryder used to go and stand at the bottom of the straight. Very rare you bother standing on a straight. Um, but just to see the way that every everyone else ran out of top speed, literally it's like they were hitting a brick wall at that top end, the, the, the velocity of the top end, and the Ducati just kept driving through. The only thing that puts you through the sound barrier at the end of the day is horsepower, and Ducati, Ducati had an excess of it going back in the day. Um can't see anybody beating the Dukes, though, this weekend. Um, Maverick Vinales, he's on my leaderboard for this weekend. You'll be uh, unhappy to hear, so I'm claiming him straight away before any of you two get it um, But it's going to be one of those ones where I think the Aprilia, real shame for Aleish because, you know, it's all very well saying I'm going to get over those broken fingers or whatever he's done. The injury, I haven't had a clarification on how bad it is or how easy it is. But all the same, you know, your hands are the major out, the major things that control the motorbike at the end of the day. So if you've got something that's that's not facing in the right direction or is a little painful, um, it's going to be bloody hard work around there. So it's a shame for him there because it's a good racetrack, and I think the Aprilia will look really, really good there. It's got the it's got the kind of top end speed it needs as well, and it turns. They really have banged one in this this year, that's for sure. And Cal Crutchlow's back. And what? Cal Crutchlow's back. Not even 10 minutes in, you've already put in one of your predictions as well. That's, yeah. a, that's a record. That's a joke. That I'm, is I'm an a, actual joke. The trouble is with X races, you see, they have to sling a wheel up the inside early. <laughs> Just to destabilize the other races. oh right okay well we'll come on to that hold your horses but good to get uh, an update about what's happening and yeah well as we record as we say no official confirmation of anything from the marquez camp uh knowing our luck there'll be something as soon as we release this show but uh what we know at the moment is if it does happen it might well be fairly a last minute decision um before we uh, look at all things uh, Aragon, talking, uh, well, let's look a, bit, a little bit further. Bit of a weird announcement, Pete, uh, from VR46 down in their camp. Uh, Bezeki, Marco Bezeki, uh, confirmed for next year. He's the only rookie to take a podium so far this year, 14th in the championship. Um, but it seemed like it was kind of already done, but wasn't. But yes, but was. Uh, apparently so, yes. It seems like he originally signed a two-year contract, but it wasn't actually made public until now that he had a two-year contract. So, yeah, I mean, everyone expected, well, both VR46 riders, they're going to stay, they're going to remain. Marini will be on the other bike next year. A bit harsh it's if Marini gets the axe. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. We all could run the dinner table, wouldn't it, for the family meals. So, But, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of the official confirmation. So this was the official confirmation for Bezeki, if you like, and... Yeah, in making that confirmation, they, they said, well, you've got a two-year deal, and uh, so the next year will, will be the second year of that. The question mark is, what spec of bike will they have? That's really the undecided bit. Um, you know, Bezeki is obviously on the year-old bike at the moment, and Marini has the latest bike. You'd imagine they're going to push for both of those guys to be on the latest bikes, but, uh, you know, Ducati have a lot of bikes already. You know, it, it's a big task for them to keep that many riders on the news. The Pramac guys, obviously, will have the latest bikes again next year. The factory guys, so it'll be up to six if they give both VR46 guys the latest bike. So Marini still to be officially confirmed, and maybe that's the bit that we're waiting for, is uh, the discussions with Ducati. The the contract, just detail really, but the contract for Bezecchi and Marini, I did check, it's with the team, not with Ducati directly. 
So when you when you look at guys like like Martin and Zarko, they are they they ride for Pramac, but they are signed to the factory. That's not the case with the VR four six car. Okay, but uh, well, that's uh, being confirmed. Then another rider, uh, just uh, one position left, I think, isn't it? Down at uh, Tech Three, is that right? I think just the the Remy Gardner. Uh, yeah, there's the yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's the Tech Two seat. There's also the the LCR seat with Nakagami oh, of and Nagura. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it seems to be well. It seems to be leaning towards Nakagami again, but then you know if Agura wins this championship, but they're going to have to make a call, aren't they? Normally at Mategi, because obviously it would be a Japanese rider either way, that would make sense for them to to sort of make the confirmation of who is going to have the ride. So we're not far away from a decision, I'd say. Keith, who would you put in these final two seats that are remaining? Agura for sure. Um, I think I think we've it's going to it's got to be a sea change at uh, Honda. Really, they've got to start making some decisions that, that start moving them forwards. And I think Agura, you know, I think they need to make that kind of that that kind of shake up because um, everybody's moving on. I mean, look at the the, the signings that, that Ducati have. You know, the, you, you've just got to look across the the way. Um, don't know with the other one. I mean, it's one of those situations where Remy moving across the World Superbike, by the look of things, that's looking like a, a more of an option for him. Obviously. At one time he was looking at Moto Two, but I couldn't really see where he fitted in Moto Two. To be honest, at this particular point, I just suddenly thought to myself that you know a change is as good as a rest, and a move across the World Superbike, if there is an option for him there, a viable option for him there, then then to go across there, I think he's the kind of kid that will in, he enjoys riding a motorbike, and that's the key here. When you move across, sometimes to what some people and particularly Grand Prix guys have it in their head is a lower formula. It's very hard then for them to get over that slight stigma in in having to put it on the line and if you're going to beat the likes of top rack johnny and even bautista i mean bautista on that bloody rocket ship you know to beat any one of those three he's going to take something a little bit special um don't underestimate the job in hand and i think that if you go there with a, a mind that is it's below you then um then you're gonna have a problem remy gardner he's not that kind of kid he's going to go there whatever happens um, good to see that the uh, the Twitter spat between him and his dad Wayne have calmed down just a little bit now. I think they must have given themselves a shake and uh, thought to themselves, "Well, we best off not uh, airing our dirty laundry anymore in public." But that was a bit unedifying for a while, and that too has a real effect on your on your brain. You know, it's it's all that kind of undermining forces that are going on. Uh, Remy could have done without that. Probably Wayne could have done without it, but he ain't in the paddock, so he ought to keep quiet. Is my view. Um, so tricky times for for Remy. Um, I feel I feel sorry for him because I don't feel he's had a, a good enough crack of the whip. Um, should he have been given that crack of the whip in the first place? You know, some people would even debate that. It's it's tricky. It's really really tricky. But don't feel sorry for him. This is MotoGP. It's Grand Prix racing. At the end of the day, you've got to put up, shut up, be moved around, be prepared for these kind of smacks in the in the year old that you're going to get occasionally, and you've got to keep on fighting. That's all there is to it. You know, it's the toughest top end of the sport you're going to get decisions sometimes are, are hard to to take but it's getting over them at the end of the day that you've got to do it's a cutthroat right business just to say I, yeah i think wilson bike would be the better choice for remy for the reasons keith says you know he's, he's done a lot of years in moto two we're talking darren binder is obviously leaving as well and, and it looks like he will be in moto two because he's never raced there so it's a new challenge for him and as keith says it, it's something different in that sense then for his Two completely different situations, if you like, for these two guys that are leaving MotoGP as rookies. Whereas, you know, for Remy, I think, you know, fresh start in World Superbike and, you know, it's a big bike. He can keep that momentum going that hopefully 
in the same way as Ike Lacona. You know, he's learned the big bike from what he's done so far in MotoGP. He won't have to unlearn everything to go back to Moto2. He can build on that in, in World Superbike. And, you know, we've seen you can have a, a good career. I mean, look at the racing in World Superbike at the moment. I mean, even on the, the weekend. I mean, you know, fantastic. So, you know, I think uh, we're hearing, is it GRT Yamaha is, is one of the advice I've sort of heard it might be. I mean, so basically he's got some good options there, it seems. I think it's factory supported rides he's looking at, Remy. In, uh, in World Superbike. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously been a big blow for him to, to leave MotoGP so early, but I, I think he can, you know, he can recover from this, he can build from this, and, uh, you know, let's see, will he, will he be back in the future? I think it will suit him. I think World Superbikes will definitely suit him. I think the atmosphere in the paddock, I think the general slightly more laid-back nature of things as well will suit him quite well. Um, he could be the next star in World Superbike coming along. And there's always BSB, if he fancies a British, British Superbike. Tito didn't have too good a time when he came. Well, Remy might, Remy might have a good time there. You never know. Uh, keep up uh, with Crash.net for all the very latest on that and these uh, final couple of rider moves. Um, off track in terms of calendar, that's uh, having a little bit of a, uh, maybe a, a shake-up. MotoGP has a, uh, announced plans for a race, hopefully at some point, no date specified yet, in Saudi Arabia. So Keith Dorner has signed a memorandum of understanding with the aim of bringing MotoGP to Saudi Arabia on a newly constructed multi-purpose FIM and FIA homologated circuit. Uh, so, well, Saudi Arabia already hosts, obviously, Formula One, things like Formula E, Dakar Rally, so a lot of four-wheeled sports, and now they want to have a bit of two-wheeled. What do you make of that? Yeah, signing an understanding doesn't mean we're going there, and I'd have to say that it, it smacks of a lack of understanding of the will around the world Going to somewhere like Saudi, to be honest, with the way that they are portrayed. Now, I'm not a politician. I don't get behind the scenes on any of that stuff at all. But just on the surface of it, what I read, what I see, what I hear, should we be going to Saudi Arabia? They still have quite a lot of things in their regime that isn't really in sync with the values of of our sport, in my view. Um, I'm surprised I think Carmelo Espeleta and his outfit at Dorna are quality people that have made some real quality decisions over the years. But I would go as far as saying this ain't one of them. People might say, well, we go to Qatar. Qatar has, can you have grandfather rights when it comes to something like human rights, which are the things that are on the, on the, on the front of our tongues, on the tip of our tongues here with all of this, you know, the Formula One's been going to Saudi for a while. Does, does, does a, a fact that you've been going there for a while mitigate in some ways what's going on there? Of course it don't. Not in any way, shape or form. You know, there are things that need dealing with in these places. Are we better off being on the inside looking out rather than the outside looking in and criticising? That could be an argument. Is the fact that we're going there uh, an opportunity to reform some of the thinking that goes on. Is that likely to happen? I'm being naive when I say something like that because Saudi is steeped in its way of thinking and its way of dealing. Um, and a, another factor that I, I feel quite strongly about, we should not dictate to other countries how they run their countries. But you do have a choice about whether you go there or not or whether you spend money there or not or whether you allow them to spend money with you. you know, does that make you complicit in all the things that we don't particularly like in a, in a free world? Um, you know, there, there, are, there are many, many issues here and much cleverer people than me are no doubt absolutely beside themselves with the fact that 
we are considering we've signed a, an, an agreement with Saudi to to be going there you know there it wasn't that long ago you know there was a journalist that found himself in well buried somewhere horrendous you know it's a situation where do you do you go somewhere like that that that, that, that is on the table you know the Americans are dealing with Saudi. The British deal with Saudi. There's lots of business that we do with Saudi. Um, is it right? You know, I'll leave it for everyone that's bloody listening to this to make their own minds up because I think that's all you can do. And I think that you should get involved. I think you should research every single thing. Don't take people's words for it. Don't look on Twitter or Facebook or all those other moronic bloody places that people have opinions without any research or any, any guarantee of fact research it and look it up for yourself in any of these things and make your own minds up whether it should happen or not and let everybody else know. It's the only thing you can do in a democracy is actually turn around and say what you think and vote accordingly. Um, and if you don't agree with something, vote against it. That's what a democracy does. Unfortunately, there's a lot of countries around the world that don't have that privilege like we do here. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not the first time sports in general has had this conversation. I mean, conversations ongoing about the World Cup in Qatar, and as we mentioned, you know, Formula One, obviously racing in Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain for so many years as well, and and even recently, I think it was last year and oh, this year in Saudi Arabia, they they had the huge uh, explosion uh, just uh, very near the track that the nearly cancelled the entire race weekend. But Pete, for these kind of things, unfortunately, it, it smells of money. It does, doesn't it? You know, I mean, on the one hand, you want to, yes, the sport wants to go into new markets, but I mean, there's no history of obviously motorcycling that I'm aware of. You know, there's no big push from the, the fan side to be in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, yeah, it, it's got money has to be right at the forefront of this, you'd have to imagine. I mean, it's in the same way that Qatar is. I mean, Qatar spends a lot of money to be the season opening round. I mean, you hear figures that the money that Qatar pays to host the season only right of course it won't be next year because of some track modifications but i mean that's their position they paid for that right as the opening round basically funds the flyaway races all of the transport all of the freight all the, the, the logistics of getting motor gp around those flyaways is covered by the fee that, that qatar pays and you'd have to imagine that this is following a similar sort of template to the qatar round this will be a high paying round i would imagine um as key says as you said also <laughs> It's a memorandum of understanding. We've had a lot of, uh, you know, these kind of things announced. Brazil, Rio rings a bell, Hungary, things that were announced as, as planning to host MotoGP and it didn't happen. So we still have to wait and see, don't we? Uh, and then, of course, we had the whole Aramco sponsorship of VR46 that didn't happen. So we have to wait and see if this actually materialises. But but yes, it is, you know, the calendar It's up to 20, 21 rounds, isn't it? This would be another one. And, uh, okay, Finland... We should get, we should say, a provisional calendar sometime around now for next year. It looks like it will be pretty much the same. But, I mean, whether Finland's on it is, is almost sort of academic. It might be on there for contractual reasons, but it looks pretty unlikely unless they can turn things around pretty quickly. So we're looking at a similar calendar to this year. So it'll be 20 rounds maybe with Finland on there, but unlikely to actually happen. And this looks like potentially the next one. But, I mean, how, how quickly can you build a whole circuit from scratch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And, and you know, how, how might the world change by the time it is ready? You know, people people change their minds in, you know, with, with projects that run years into the future. So, yeah, I mean, let's see if it happens. But um, I, I think it's fair to say a surprise, a surprise to, that uh, 
this is the next destination, should we say, for MotoGP. Let me ask you, who benefits from it at the end of the day, apart from Dorna's coffers, of course, because you've already said it, there's no motorcycle industry or industry interest in Saudi Arabia or Qatar, for that matter. Qatar has, what, between six and 8,000 fans at trackside on race day. That's it. Most of them will be freebies as part of the, the Qatar deal, I'm sure. Um, so there isn't really an inherent reason for going to that part of the world. When you consider, you know, Indonesia, 250,000 people, Indonesian people, all riding motorbikes, the, the, you know, the, the industry. You've only got to look at the likes of Honda. I mean, where, where do Mark Marquez and the like uh, do most of their PR? It's in Indonesia. It's, in, it's in, in Far Eastern countries, purely and simply because that is a massive market for manufacturers. Um, and so they're looking at trying to enhance that as well. You know, America, really, we've only got the circuit of the Americas. We ought to have two rounds in bloody America, to be honest. There is no doubt in my mind about that. It, we should be enhancing something going on in America. Now, unfortunately, with a free market type economy like it is in America, no one else can afford a MotoGP. So it always comes down to the bottom line. Who's paying the most in these things? Qatar, been on the calendar for a while. Saudi Arabia, don't get my vote. There's a lot of journalists who won't even travel there. When we do get to that point, there are journalists that have taken an absolute stand regarding this. And, you know, considering rumoured, not proved, perhaps, but pretty close to being proved things that have happened in the past, you would say that you could understand why they might take a stand. Is it an opportunity for, if MotoGP does go there, and that is still a big if, as we said, is it an opportunity, though, to educate, to, to show well, that's, and that's, for, for that's drivers, exactly riders to make a stand? We're, we're better off looking, you know, maybe maybe we're better off being inside looking out than outside looking in. You know, making criticisms from outside is always the easiest thing in the world to do. But to make change takes some sacrifice on all fronts. Um, I can't see that happening. It doesn't strike me as the kind of regime that will be influenced heavily by the opinions of a bunch of... Uh, Grand Prix motorcycle races. So um, I think that would be a naive view. And that's why I said I was being naive when I made that that offering, if you like. I can't see our sport changing a country's, you know, tradition, convention, institutions, if you like, um, or families, you know, the way, the whole way it's stacked up there. Um, so I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's the wrong decision for MotoGP in my view. Um, but like you've already said, a, a letter of understanding is not a Grand Prix. You know, what's on that letter of understanding? What are the the more detailed parts of that business, that collaboration? That would that would be that would interest me. Have Dorna managed to put anything into that agreement, that that potential agreement that kind of softens the blow to 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 the Western world, if you like, to our way of thinking? Absolutely. Kyle Army, that's where I'd go next, just just to completely change it. But I think Brad Binder's he's been around there, isn't he? And he, he seems to be impressed with it. I think it'd be great if uh, if that could be next on the list. Well, it's it's the same with Formula One. They're desperate to to go uh, to South Africa as well. It's it's a continent that that it hasn't is one of the biggest and, and doesn't really have a big representation on on a, on many motorsport calendars. Money again. I mean, Velcom. They you know the the orange fields up in Velcom. I mean, I, we raced that track years ago in Grand Prix, you know, they've got one or two places that you could go to. But again, it's the, it's the funding of it. You know, it's it's the, the where does it move forward? And Africa, if you look at the way Africa is coming up now, you're going to find that Africa 
is is a massive marketplace moving forward over the next 10 years i mean it's an almighty place i mean, it just always amuses me how sort of africa hardly ever gets mentioned i mean obviously through two wheels for life riders for health day of champions you know the connection between dorna and what is pretty much major league uh, african charity as in two wheels for life the amount of uh, work that they do out there um, it is just an enormous enormous continent that has got so much potential um, for good now south africa you know i go back to the apartheid days when court ballington was a mate of mine whenever cork had to travel on a different passport you couldn't even you couldn't even fly in, in you know if you had a south african flight it couldn't fly over quite a lot of european countries back in the day it had to circumnavigate them you weren't allowed through the airspace because of the regime that was you know the, the apartheid regime that was there in in south africa i mean there's been massive moves forwards over the years it's still you know quite troublesome in in areas that i wouldn't even want to delve into but it, it's a situation where africa is an enormous market that will open up eventually possibly through south africa we'll see well let, let us know um your thoughts on this in the comments below as well we'd love to hear from very you. political We're- very political but you know what are your thoughts as keith mentioned on possibly racing in saudi arabia but also where would you like MotoGP to go as well kyle army or or, or somewhere else further afield uh, let us know uh, and i think definitely in our in the off season i think we should do a little show uh, the ideal moto gp calendar i think that'll be a nice one to uh, to come up with um let's move on though to uh, to looking at aragon but just before we do that breaking news hot off the press Luca Marini confirmed at VR46. Uh, I have just seen, and then uh, Moody VR46 have released some sort of video of him signing uh, the contract. So uh, that that's confirmed. So that's just come through. So can you? Hot can you? Press. Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, is that him at the door? I reckon he's here just to tell me. <laughs> Luca Marini, come on in, Luca. <laughs> can, you you, like can you? Can Can you imagine if Luca Marini? Uh, hadn't signed a deal <laughs> the breakfast table would be a difficult place <laughs> it might have been a little bit awkward so uh, a brief, brief intermission there uh, pick back up though um so uh luca marini then as we've just been discussing it would be a little bit awkward if he hadn't have been uh, re-signed of course that is confirmation and literally about i think 10 minutes ago that came through as we record now so yeah not surprising there but still that question remains p on on the spec bike but but marini was on the 2022 spec wasn't he Yes, he is. It'd be a shock if he, well, obviously a blow to him if he doesn't stay on the latest spec bike for 23 for next year. So the big question is, will they be able to get that for Bezecchi? As you pointed out earlier, the only rookie on the podium this year. So they, they've got a decent case to make, an Italian rider as well, another up-and-coming star. So that'll be what they're, they're chasing. But uh, it might be a while until we know that. I mean, although, as Keith's highlighted, the factories need to know, you know, they need a big lead time as far as what bikes they need to make for next year. So I think it'll... You know, it'll, it'll be known within the next sort of month or so what, what he's going to be riding. Um, and obviously testing starts Valencia, probably the Tuesday after the season finale. So he'll want to be on pretty much what he's going to be racing then. Well, that's another rider then, officially confirmed now, although highly expected. Uh, and we can now look forward to, uh, well, it's going to be a busy six weeks uh, over the next, well, six weeks, five races. Uh, and the first of which uh, will be Aragon uh, and Keith. Well, Will Pecco make it five in a row? Yes. <laughs> Category. Well, all right. End it there. Yes. That's it. Done. I think uh, Bagnaia at um, Aragon, he's quick round there. He gets on really well round there. The, the Ducati, obviously, is the right horsepower for round there. 
you never really know what's going to happen with the weather. I've, I've, I've actually, I've had a quick squint at it. It looks all right. Um, it can be cool um, in the mornings. It can be foggy in the mornings in Aragon. You know, when the when the cold air hits the, you know, you can get delays and all sorts of things in Aragon. I love the place. I think Aragon is one of those racetracks. I always remember thinking when there was a campaign going for getting rid of one of the Spanish Grand Prix, because obviously there was three, I should say not Spanish Grand Prix, but three, four Grand Prix in Spain. Um, and then we had Portugal come on the on the calendar as well. So there was quite a lot in that Iberian region. And I just wished it wasn't going to be Aragon. You know, dump Valencia, if you like, for sure. But you can't because the conurbation nearby and so on and so forth makes it slightly tricky politically as well to get shot at Valencia. But Valencia is nothing like the racetrack that Aragon is. Aragon is a proper racetrack. Brilliant facility. Really like being there. It's a bit tricky from an accommodation point of view. I saw Matt Oxley was wincing a bit this week when he was trying to book for 2023. And uh, all, all the hotels within an hour are already gone, which is normal because obviously Dorna give a little bit of an Erta and, and the FIM. They all get first dibs on everything because they know when the date's exactly going to be. And you don't book a place until you know. So then all the scum of the earth, as they're known around the paddock, that's the journalists, um, get second dibs at it. Um and then anybody else that's, that's trying to get there as a as a fan, it finds that they're an hour, hour and a half away from the the track. Don't let that put you off, because the roads going to Aragon are brilliant. If you're there on a motorbike or even in a car, for that matter, dare I say it, brilliant roads. I mean, I used to frighten the life out of Julian Ryder. I'd got his body flying all over the place in their hire car. Because it's just, and they're great roads because you can see through the series of corners. It's it's kind of like a lot of the the really fast stuff, really fast stuff, really good stuff. Just brilliant on a motorbike. Weather's lovely most of the time. So if you are an hour and a half away, don't let it put you off. Um, there's not that many people really go to Aragon anyway, as far as it, you don't get roadblocks and all the rest of it like you do at a lot of the tracks. You know, getting into the circuit's not too bad either. They've got a good system around, a one-way system around the track for getting punters in and out. Um, security's good there. I, I love the place. I think Aragon is a really, really good event. The Aragon Tech Park was part of that complex, if you like, is where the Triumph Motors are all refreshed. You know, Trevor Morris and, and, and the Extern Pro, who used to refresh all the Honda motors in Moto2, now they do all the, the Triumph motors in Moto2 as well. Um, that's part of the tech park that's there. It's a, it's a great complex, really, really good complex. Really does stand out, doesn't it? Different from the Spanish rounds, just to, just to highlight what he's saying. You know, all of the other three are right by, you know, a city or an airport, everything else. You know, Aragon, you really have to sort of travel to get to. But as he says, it's worth it, you know, and you tend to get the real sort of hardcore fans make the effort to be there. And, and that sort of, you know, adds to the atmosphere because they really are there for the racing and everything else. There's, you pretty much got to camp if you're if you're a fan. There's big campsites there because otherwise you are. It's, it's an hour away. There's a castle, isn't there? Quite near where where sort of the teams is converted into a hotel, I think, and that's where the riders obviously stay in their motorhomes. But that will be where the teams and, and the officials and everything else. That's that's kind of the only place <laughs> that's within sort of half an hour of the circuit. Um, and otherwise, it's it's that spaghetti western countryside, isn't it? And uh, you're looking at Airbnbs or, or if you're lucky, you can find a small hotel. But I mean, there's not much else that goes on in the region. So really, it's... Uh, well, you know, we, we, used to, we used better. to stay, the place we stayed in was over an hour away. But that ride drive in the morning, I have to tell you, it is like wacky races. The team, <laughs> you catch up with team buses and team cars and hire cars and all the rest of it. 
and you by the time you get to Sunday you know the road really well and because you're traveling early in the morning and as the sun comes down late in the evening when you're going back to your hotel sun's coming down and you can see all the the, the villages and the, the places that are up on the hillsides and the like and it's a beautiful sunlight really beautiful golden sunlight on the way back mate it puts you in such a good mood even after a hard day and you drive flat out it's just great from that point of view <laughs> i've got more tickets from spain <laughs> they haven't quite cottoned on yet i haven't been back for a while but it's one of those situations where <laughs> the, the, the police generally are, are sort of turn a bit of a blind eye and and, and you, you really get on with it i mean i love the driving in the mornings it's <laughs> It starts, it starts in the dark. So you actually start the drive in the dark and the sun's coming up for the first 10 minutes of the drive. And by the time you're building up to speed, um, everybody's on it. You know, like you just, you're suddenly being outbraked into a roundabout or you're outbreaking someone into a roundabout. I shouldn't condone any of this really, should I? Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> no, we don't condone any of that. Pay your parking tickets if you get them. But <laughs> Parking? No, don't worry about that. Not parking, speeding. <laughs> it's, but, when you, um... it's when you park it on the roof that you got a problem. <laughs> uh, forget the, forget person... the motor GP, just go for the motorway. I'll tell you what, you can, people do. People sit in them laybys just to watch the teams arriving and leaving. <laughs> yeah, bring your camera, you're all good. On a serious note... You may remember some time ago, there was a, a, a policeman that was killed outside the track when somebody didn't get it quite right through the bollards. I'm not saying that anybody was speeding or doing anything they shouldn't have been doing as, as, as irresponsible as I've been speaking a moment ago. Um, but the, the, the serious side to that is, of course, that, you know, it can catch you out. And this policeman was killed. Um, and one of the journos um, found himself in a car that was on fire. Um, David Goldman, Golden Goose, great um, photographers. David Goldman was part of that. And our old mate, Simon Patterson, who I do not often see eye to eye with, I must say, um, dived in, fair dues to the bloke. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Simon risked his own life to rescue the guy out of the car. So Simon Patterson, a man that's much maligned around the paddock. He's not that well liked, that's for sure. Uh, for some of the things he says, but actions speak louder than words. And on that occasion, Simon was a hero. Wow. Well, I can't believe it, that was a year ago now. Jeez. More. Yeah, I think that, that accident was Portimao, wasn't it? Maybe. Was it? But, um, was it Portimao? But, but, sorry, I thought it was Aragon. I'm sorry, I do apologise. I may be wrong, but I, I seem to think it might be Portimao. I was just going to say, it is worth a reminder that because of, of the traffic that you get at these events, you do get cones you do get different road networks you know even if you've gone to the track on the friday and the saturday it might be different on the sunday and that's what you've got to be aware of isn't it it's suddenly the, the, the lane you've been going it is now going the other way i think way. that's and, the point so i was trying to make i mean i think that it, they do change the road layouts you know between an aragon particularly they do change the way it is and it's quite complicated spanish roads seem to make junctions more complicated than they seem to need to be don't they i mean i think that spanish roads are always you're always trying to kind of work it out when you get there whereas it, it's a bit more intuitive in a lot of other countries they seem to like making it complicated and, and pete you're you're going to be there right you're you're traveling out there tomorrow yes yeah yeah um via via france so it's a bit of a road trip for me but as Keith was says, that the closest he, hotel the, you could get <laughs> <laughs> i meet you up with a, a journalist friend of mine who lives in france so yeah we're going to go on the, the road trip because it's actually if you live in the south of france it's almost the same 
amount of time as it is going from Barcelona. Wow. If you're very lucky from Barcelona, I think it's three hours on paper, isn't it? But anyone who's queued for a hire car at Barcelona, you're looking at about an hour just to get to the desk. And then if, you, if you've got the traffic, which you normally do there, you can add another hour onto it. So yeah, it, it works out about the same. Basically, yes, you, there's lots of options for people. Uh, if you do, do want to go to Aragon, don't think that, you know, you have to just go to Barcelona, look around. You can, uh, you can make a real sort of trip of it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought the hire car thing up. That is a nightmare. Barcelona used to be that you either, if you if you've got the the Avis Gold Card or whatever it is, then you go straight to the car park and pick your car up from there, or you got to wait in, in the terminal at the, the the Avis desk there. I mean, we for some reason we always ended up with Avis hire cars. Other car hire companies are indeed available and quite often better. Um, but the point being is Avis. I can't believe how many hours I have spent crying at an Avis desk trying to get my car. <laughs> It is just the work. You spend an hour on an aeroplane and two and a half hours stood in the queue. An hour. If you got one in an hour, Pete, you were doing bloody well is all I can say. That hire car <laughs> business is just an absolute nightmare. This is all the stuff you just don't hear about on your mainstream broadcasts. All the background stuff that you don't hear. You know, they get to the com- they get to the commentary box, but that's after five hours of queuing for a hi- for a hire car. So remember that. Well, well, hire cars this year since the, since the pandemic they've they've gone up massively. But what people have been finding is get one on a free cancellation because the price goes down as you get nearer to the event. There's people that are rebooking for Aragon now at half the price that they booked their hire car for, say, two months ago. That's worldwide. So, it's worldwide. I, I booked some in right. Thailand um, a few months ago, and I've just cancelled them because I had them on a, a free cancellation thing and got them at half the price. Wow. There's your top tip for the day, Pete. <laughs> Keith's top tip. Oh, no, no, Pete's, the, Pete's top oh, tip. Pete's, oh, Pete's top tip. <laughs> but I think we need uh, we need to fire, find a. Uh, if we ever start talking positively about hiring car hire, then you know we've got a new sponsor. Um, so, <laughs> so, well, leaving the car hire chat to one bit, um, let's talk about who's going to be on the podium uh, and get into our predictions. And a little shout out I spotted this from last week. Uh, Tartaruga Racing commented, I'd just like to point out I got the top three right from last week, so I'll be waiting for my job offer. Uh, well, can you get it right this week? Because um, at the moment, uh, what, how are we doing for the points at the moment? Pete's leading now, 15 to Keith's 13 to my 12. It's getting tight, but I think I need to stop doing some sporting bets and actually uh, do some realistic things now. But Keith, come on, man. you've already got Vinales in there. Whereabouts are you putting him then? Third. Third. All right, who's in front? Bagnaia and Bastianini. Oh, boring. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Hey, okay. I've, I've dropped behind Pete with my sporting bets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bagnaia, Bastianini, Vinales. Okay. Uh, Pete, who are you going for? Uh, I'm going for Bagnaia. I'm going to go Aleish second. Ooh. I think this is... It, it's, his, it's his track. I think this, you know, it's been a good track for him and the Aprilia. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he needs a second place as well. He's, he's been losing points. I'll put Maverick third, but I mean, oh, two of brilliant. Yeah, wow. I, I'm going to go for yes. Uh, Maverick hasn't fallen off at all in any single. Grand well, you've Prix done it now. Probably no, you've well, it. that's true. Yes, yes. But any session, not even any practice session, any qualifying set, he's the only full-time rider. It, this sort of came up during the Mizano weekends. I must have looked at the sheet and realised yeah, but that, yeah, it's right. He's only been going fast for the last couple of Grand Prix. <laughs> well, this is, this is, it does show you that there is a bit of margin there, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, he was pushing Banyaya. The other discussion is really Maverick being fast 
could that help Quattararo as much as it helps Aleish? Because, you know, as we saw, he was taking the fight to Banyaya there in Rosano. Aleish wasn't directly behind him. That's the only situation they can really switch, isn't it? And we haven't really seen the two Aprilia's in a race next to each other. This, is, but, this isn't a know, great trap for Bagnaia. Uh, for, sorry, for Quattararo. This is not a great racetrack for Quattararo. Oh, no, no, no. I think this is his worst of the he, year. That's he why could, he's he could find himself in a lot of trouble yeah, here because there's going to be a lot of fights damage. Between, you know. Damage limitation will be, yeah, Quattararo's, uh, was he eighth last year? I think it was, okay, he had arm pumping a red, but it was his worst race of the year. He's, he's never been higher than, I think, fifth. Um, you know, this is, and it's, a, it's sort of one of the tracks where the Yamaha struggles and Fabio isn't able to sort of pull the, the rabbit out of the hat. So, yeah, I think, you know, he, this weekend, really, I mean, he will go into it with a positive frame of mind. I mean, but I think he's, he's up against it. And, uh, yeah, 30-point lead, but could it be within within that 25 points on one race win heading for the fireways? That wouldn't surprise me at all. Go on, then, Harry. I, d- I just don't know. Um, I, don't, I can't put Banyaya as a win. I think... I said I wasn't going to go for a sporting... Well, no, I don't know. I think Banyan's <laughs> going to fall off. Go on, I give, yourself, fall. give yourself a smack. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think Banyan's going to fall. Um, and I think Aleish is going to win because I think he's he needs to get back to the front. And I think it's going to be a chaotic race. So I think it's going to be Aleish who wins ahead of Vinales. And Jack oh. Miller is going to be my third on the podium. Oh, Bloody hell. I'll tell you yeah. what, you two have bloody gone for it, haven't you? <laughs> Somebody's got to. It's I'm going to be fun. back on top by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Uh, <laughs> You're going to go to the flyaways with a lead key. Unbelievable. Uh, well, let us know your predictions. And same for you, uh, who uh, Tataruga Racing. If you can get all three again, well, yeah, you Well, get... if we ever meet, who is Tataruga Racing? You better put your name to that, me old mate. Yeah. Then, um, we'll have to buy you a beer because anyone who gets a top three right nowadays is either very, very lucky or better than all of us that is very true very very true all right we'll do that keith's petting um yeah, I don't so- <laughs> you know i always find the way to the bar whereas you lot drag your heels <laughs> last time i didn't have a pass so it wasn't my fault anyway i wasn't allowed in the paddock yeah, um, you kept it in your pocket that's why and your yeah. money <laughs> right let's well let us know your predictions if you can get all three keith's buying you a beer uh, or a, a drink of your choice um all right, we'll leave it there then. So not long to wait. Um, Pete's got a plane to catch and uh, we've got a busy uh, few weeks ahead of us. Make sure you're tuned in to Crash.net. As always, we know you are for all the latest news analysis across the week. And then we will be back with you next week right after Aragon. Uh, get your questions in. Leave them in the comments section. Tweet Instagram or Facebook. Just search Crash GP. We are actually changing our recording date from next week. We normally record on a Monday, but we're now doing it on a Tuesday just because it allows for more news to filter through in time. And also because um, Pete's traveling back and forth and uh, Keith and myself are busy. Uh, so <laughs> get your questions in. Tuesdays are going to be when we record. Now, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we shall see you right back here next week. But from me, Keith and Pete, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.